So yeah, it's good to speak. So we, we've caught up sort of fairly briefly um, in the past and had some um, had some chats before. But yeah, it might be good to introduce ourselves. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, far away, Rupert. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, my organisation is Ellis Fox. We focus on uh, the main, the UK main contractor market. So by that I mean uh, the construction main contractors, the likes of kind of Balfour, BT, Keir, Costain, Skanska. And we, very fo we, we, we focus really on three main areas. We have um, a, a desk that does quantity surveyors. Uh, I tend to do more the senior appointments, which are kind of 80K upwards. And then we also do a lot on the, um, on the interim side as well. So there's the three main strands to our business. Um, we've been going since 2011. We've got five people. We had a bit of a disaster last year. Last year, we uh, we recruited five people and lost eight people. Oh wow! So that was quite quite dramatic. But it was. Um, uh, but we've kind of learned from our mistakes, and we're kind of you know rebuilding now. So, um, but yeah, you know what was interesting was actually our sales and revenues were up on the year before, despite you know that that happening. So um, you know, I think yeah, we're we're in relatively good shape as a. Um, it, we're, we're fortunate in our market's pretty buoyant at the moment with um with particularly with we focus on infrastructure and utilities so with infrastructure it's road and rail so it's kind of the contractors on hs2 and all the highways and that side of things and utilities is power water gas and telecoms which is huge at the moment so fiber to the property um i think it's about 30 percent of the country's got fiber at the moment and they're trying to get to 100 percent. i think in the next five or six years so yeah we're we're, we're pretty busy and um yeah, things things are going fairly good at the moment. How about you? So yeah, I mean, from, from our side, it's it's certain. Last year was an interesting year. Uh, just to give a bit of an introduction to myself, so we focus very much on um, marketing, commercial with FMCG. So I'm one of the directors here at Alexa Search. Um, so yeah, we we supply well, we recruit for the marketing and commercial. Anybody that markets the brands and sells brands um, into the likes of Tesco's or Sainsbury's. So clients that we work with include the likes of. Innocent, Asahi, Pernod Ricard, Ferrero, Lint, mm. and that's primarily in the UK, France, Germany, and we're doing we're starting to do some recruitment in the US as well. And that's right. of course contingency, exclusive and retained, although our focus is definitely as a business more on exclusive and retained, which yeah, we can talk in a bit more detail about a bit, a bit, yeah. bit later. So yeah, so we, we started around 2015. I yeah. uh, my, my business partner, Sam, we worked together at a previous company, so I had about three years of recruitment um before i got to the point where i kind of needed to do something else he was in a similar yeah. point in his life where he wanted a new challenge and, and we talked about starting a business so um yeah we started the business around then got up to a team of six um back in 2019 it was about six months before covid so it wasn't actually covid related but yeah um turned out to be really good timing in terms of scaling back um and since then, it's just really given, it's been a great opportunity for us to really reevaluate the business model, our roles, moved away completely as kind of what we were doing before. So now very much 180. Um, my focus is a lot more on commercial. So business uh, development, account development, sounds is a lot more on delivery. Uh, yeah. And we have a, a, an ops uh, manager as well. She supports us both on the administration side. And then um, she, she takes care of all of the day-to-day -day financial and other parts, other areas of the business. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's interesting to sort of hear how your year was last year. I mean, it was a real game changer for us. I said last 12 to 18 months was um, probably the best years that we've had from like a personal perspective. 
Um, I managed to kind of catch up, I guess. Um, running a business is hard. So, uh, you know, I was doing that sort of in my 20s. Mm. Um, so I had an opportunity. So I've got married, bought a house, had a mm. daughter, um, got ahead of the curve with, with sort of everything else. And now we're in 2023. Been yeah. very good about things. But yeah, it's interesting that you're saying that the market's great. Our, our, our market certainly slowed down over the past three or right. four months. Um, which again is, is not a bad thing. It just gives us the time to, to breathe and, uh, and kind of re, re, refocus. Um, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, just in terms of saying, what, what have you sort of seen the recruitment market change in the last 12 months? What have been the biggest changes that you've yeah. seen? Yeah, I mean, I think there's, I think there's yeah, various things which have obviously changed. I think one of the major ones is the kind of uh, remote, you know, remote working. Um, I was interested with this question, whether it means from, from our agency, from Ellis Fox's point of view, or from our clients, how it's changed, the recruitment for them. So um, I, I might just answer both. I mean, as far as our clients are concerned, their recruitment is very much looking for the best person rather than necessarily the most available geographically. Um, now people are able to do, you know, a lot of stuff can be done on Teams. It, it, it's made it... Um, uh, you know, a, a lot easier with, with you know, ge ge geography, geographical locations don't really matter so much anymore. Um, I think the work-life balance, I think people's expectations now is whether it's, a, you know, a four-day working week or whether it's flex flexi working, I think there's much more of an expectation on that. Um, I think the whole use of, of AI and automation and that side of things, I think that um, has, has really kicked off in the last kind of 12, 18 months. Um, which has saved a lot of kind of time on admin on admin tasks, um, and and I think it's helped to make data driven decisions as well. So I think that's a whole new area. Um, and I suppose the other one, which is you know the kind of diversity, equality, or equity and inclusion, and all the kind of you know the kind of the social justice movement, you know the LGBTQ, and you know I, I think I, I, I think um, you know companies are, are prioritizing that a lot and. Um, I think it's increasing employee satisfaction. I think it's making um, the increasing overall business performance for, for them. And I, I think that, um, you know, um, I, I, yeah, and I, I think that, um, that uh, yeah, people are, are, are really focused on, on that side of things. I think from, from, from Ellis Fox also, I mean, I think it's, um, I mean, we've just taken a, a resourcer on who started last Monday. And he's going to be doing two days at, at, uh, in the office and three days um, from home once he gets up and running. T 12 months ago, I wouldn't even have considered that. I mean, we were really archaic and I was very much, you know, you were 8.30 to 5.30, five days a week. You know, that was and, and my whole kind of, um, you know, I've been doing this for nearly 30 years and, and I've kind of definitely changed, you know, my, my kind of outlook as well. And I think that's been the biggest thing. I think kind of being open to new ideas and actually moving with the times and I think uh, you know yeah I think that you know that that has really changed you've been a, been a game changer for the last 12 to 18 months yeah it's so interesting you say that and it's it's interesting from a from like COVID I think initially obviously for for any business it, it was tough times but um now we've had a time to really reflect on you know what changes there have been I think it was probably a good point now to, to understand sort of what's what's here to stay and, and, and what's not but yeah, I, my, my, my answer is very much the same as yours, Rupert. I think um, it, it's, it's almost kind of taken COVID to uh, influence change and give people um, the flexibility. I don't know if it was a trust issue. I don't know if it's just the way that things have always been. 
Um, but you're absolutely right. You know, three years ago, even one day working from home is considered to be very flexible. You know, anything more than three days in the office now is considered to be massively unflexible. Um, mm. So, yeah, I, I would say as well, yeah, you know, there are certain you know, technology within that. So video is, is, is here to stay. And that's, that's really sort of driven a lot of, um, uh, I'd say, opportunity for businesses mm. that are hiring. So companies that aren't based, you know, in our market, you know, the, the key areas are, are really kind of London and the southeast. And then you've got mm. a few major cities like Manchester, Leeds, maybe Birmingham, people that, you know, don't live near there or companies that aren't based there. Mm. have always been fairly restricted. But, you know, mm. for people that when there is that flexibility, so, you know, if you're doing you know, some businesses a couple of days a month, but they might be based in Newcastle or, or wherever, it's just open things up massively. Mm. Um, and I think one of the other benefits really as well is that, you know, you would have a London wage if you lived in London. Um, yeah. People can be on a London wage now and, and live literally anywhere in the UK. Yeah. Um, so they don't need to incur the living costs, the high rent or high more high, high house prices. Yeah, yeah, being, yeah. Being, being in the southeast. So, yeah, and and as you said, I think it's just candidate priorities. It's no longer just about the money, is it? It's work life balance. It's yeah. you know, people realizing that you you can blend your you, you know your life and and work together. And, yeah. and some of the things that we've seen, I just don't think we would have seen before. You know, people leaving roles without a role to go to because yeah. the market has been good which i guess given people more confidence to do that yeah. um but people are just a, a bit more um taking a bit more ownership and control of their lives i think mm. um than, than they used to and businesses really need to adapt to that um which some have done very well in our sector and others are still sort of playing catch up and i think it's only when they can't recruit or they're finding it difficult to retain people that they're having to make these changes um yeah. but there are certainly companies that have really led the way with that and then i think on the uh, in terms of recruitment as well i know you mentioned you've kind of got you know your internal factors that you've seen a change in, and then the kind of external but um you mentioned you've, you've hired resources i don't know what your business model is rupert but yeah i've seen a lot more businesses in the recruitment world being far more open to mm. um, splitting sales and recruitment um, yeah last year i don't think business development was such a strategic priority mm. for businesses um which might be a bit of a shock for, for people that have come into recruitment in the last 12 months particularly mm. Um, but I think, yeah, it's, it's starting to become more apparent that, you know, they are quite different roles, quite different skills yeah. and trying to find a 360 recruiter that can really be good at everything is difficult. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's tough. Um, uh, yeah. And, and just, I guess, looking ahead, what was it? I know you mentioned sort of AI yeah. tech, very high on mine. What, what do you sort of see happening over the next 12 to 18 months? I think that, um, I think that um, I think salaries are definitely rocketing up, particularly in, in, in our sector at the moment, because of you know there's a lot of people that are you know getting job offers and then counter offers and all that kind of hoo ha and nonsense that 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 we all dislike. Um, but that's having an effect on the market. I think that um, I think that the companies that prioritise things like um, training, career advancement, and and kind of training and that side of things. I think that's becoming much, much more important now. And I think they're, they're going to be, you know, really, really benefit. And I think that, I think companies, it's always a difficult one when people talk about kind of company culture. I don't quite know how you define culture. Um, you know, he was a really good candidate, but he didn't really fit our culture. I mean, I'm quite cynical about that. And I say that in my environment, I say it's like playing in the same, same um, competition, but just wearing a different colored shirt. But I think that um, I think that um, you know people's expectations um, are such that um, you know that, that 
the the, the, the kind of culture of organisations I think is becoming much much more important. And um, you know whether that's culture around being able to be flexible, um, and I think that um, yeah, I think that's going to really 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 change as well as I think in our sector anyway the salary is going up. But I think those are going to be the two the two big things um, that, that that people are going to be expecting. Yeah, absolutely. I have to agree. I think as well, um, you know, purpose-led businesses. Maybe it's more in our sector. I don't know. Um, no. But that's becoming a lot more to a lot more important to, to candidates as well. But I think, yeah, for, for me, what, what I see massively changing is AI and particularly chat GTP. I think that's yeah. very revolutionary. And I think that's really going to um, influence how recruitment businesses are structured moving forward. Um, yeah. You know, from a you know, from a from a management perspective, from a from a leadership perspective, um, you know, automation and AI has a huge opportunity to um Grow, grow the bottom line really yeah. um, you know headcount is is you know is arguably the most expensive um you know, thing on a pnl and if you've yeah. got if you've got technology that can that can do you know a lot yeah. of this work repetitive administrative tasks at a lot lower um cost then obviously that's that's gonna that's gonna influence things quite a lot um yeah. but yeah and as well i think just in terms of us returning to sort of pre-covid normality in terms of level of recruitment um but I think the, the kind of key players in the market, uh, I think there's going to be a bit of a shift in that. So a bit more of a move away from transactional recruitment yeah. uh, to people becoming a lot more um, partner led with the agencies or with the clients that they work with. Um, yeah. And really just being able to offer more value than just delivering CVs and, and mm. filling goals. Um, but we'll see. I think it'll be an yeah. interesting up to 18 months ahead. Yeah, I mean, we're doing a lot more outsourcing as well. So I have a, a lady in Cape Town that writes a blog for me each week, does all my social media, puts all my posts on Twitter, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, and that's done, you know, every day. So I have someone doing that. And then I also use another um, lady in Pakistan that puts um, stuff onto MailChimp for us. So it kind of really, I think I think outsourcing stuff and is, is well, for us, has been, a, a, been a, a big change and not necessarily needing to get to employ somebody at kind of 20, 25 grand. In fact, you can get something much better just by paying them for now and get, getting expertise. And um, yeah, we're very much focused on that. And it's been Definitely. really, really successful. It's, it's the training and the, the, the management time that, that goes into it as well. So if yeah. you've got somebody that knows what they're doing, um, yeah. And you can outsource that then then definitely but i think business business recruitment business will have to adapt in this way because um in order to remain competitive if you've kind of got to remain aligned to the market right yeah. uh, so i think if, if this is the way that things are going then yeah businesses will have to adapt and evolve in, in the same way or yeah. just sort of increasingly inefficient in comparison to their competitors um yeah so yeah um and then just in terms of the, the sort of previous conversations that we've had, yeah. brief chats, Rupert, have been around sort of, well, other people asking questions in groups around um, working retained and, and yeah. how to approach that. Um, so I guess just, just leading on from what, what I was just talking about in terms of being more partner-led and what where's your kind of stance on, so first of all, do you recruit contingency, exclusive, retained? And, and how do you feel about recruiting contingency? Do you feel a recruitment business should be a retained partner to an organization do you feel like they can add a lot more value that way as opposed to working on contingency i, I don't know I, I think that um i i think i mean there's definitely when you when you say retained do you mean being the, the recruiter of choice to do all their recruitment in a particular sector is that what you mean by retained or do you mean 
that on individual projects, if they're looking for an MD, then we'll do that retained. But if they're looking for a lower level, we'll do it contingency. What, what do you mean by that? Exactly, the latter, the latter. Right. So okay. what my role, yeah. yeah. Well, I will only take on retained work if I know that I can deliver it. Um, because there's nothing worse than having a client around your neck. The big difference between working retained and contingency is if you're working retained, the client is chasing you. And if you're working contingency, you're chasing the client. And you, you know, contingency, you get paid first over the line and retained you get um you, you you get yeah you know you get paid for for your for your time in effect the one thing that i've always found which i'll be interested to see what your thoughts are is that if you're working a third 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 model and you're working on a on a retained bit of work and um you've said to your client and i will get back to you within about four or five weeks with a shortlist and that evening you come across the perfect candidate that's a third interview with another company do you then put him forward then? And at what point does that mean that the they've had their shortlist? And, and that's always something which I've kind of struggled with. What 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 is a shortlist? Is it when they start interviewing somebody, or is it when they've interviewed four people? Um, so what I've started to do is I will take a retainer, and then uh, and it's been made to me quite competitive. Miss out the shortlist and just get paid on results. So, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. We have these conversations regularly internally mm. um, and it always factors back to, um, to so, I guess, for the first sort of four or five years in recruitment, if, if I'm just being really kind of, uh, I guess, open and honest about it, you know, recruitment, yeah. so the, the way that we were paid, so continuously exclusive retained, yeah. was really more to our benefit. It was just de-risking the time that we were spending working on a role. Yeah. The way that we work now, so we, we came to retained inadvertently. It, it was it was just a byproduct of situations that um, led us to working in a certain way to maximise the chance of us filling a role for a client, yeah. our client benefit, not our benefit, uh, and, and ensuring that the steps were taken. So to, to answer your question, I would say that you, you, you're, you're taking a shortcut there and it might feel like there's an opportunity for a quick win, but it kind of undoes everything else that's really important for retained search to be effective. So from our perspective, retained search is um, a very, very structured post. So we work exclusively retained in a very similar way. It just depends on the level of the role and the amount of time and effort that's going into it. So mm. we work contingency 40 to 80K. We're, we're happy to work that way, but only in a very, very specific area. Anything outside that area where we're not nurturing a talent pool of candidates, we won't work, which is very, very honest yeah. with our clients. So don't recruit below 40K, don't recruit outside of the, the core areas yeah. exclusively work through our process uh, what we call the Alexa process and retained um we it's, it's very similar but that's above 80k um so it's more for leadership roles the for, for us retained search and exclusive is, is a process that's designed to get alignment at the start of the process to manage expectations throughout the process and to create yeah. accountability so the if if you're if you're introducing candidates prematurely so the whole point of that search is to ensure that you've covered the market. Um, you, you can present a shortlist of every candidate that's interested. So you, you get a line at the start of the process in terms of agreeing the brief, what the process looks like, the timelines. Once that part of the search is done, you can move on to the next part, which is assessing yeah. candidates. We, we've kind of been through this before and it's, it's backfired. When you start introducing candidates prematurely, you, you start moving ahead in that process. And, you know, whether or not it's mentally or or whether or not it's specifically you know on paper it then becomes very very difficult to to put the search part of the process behind you so yeah, yeah it might feel like you're, you're able to make a quick win by just going with a quick candidate but 
if you think about it from a psychological perspective, hiring managers and HR and really any key stakeholders, they need to be in a position to make a decision on all of the work being done and then move ahead to that next part and benchmark as well. So this is where contingency is really, really difficult, but you can have the best candidate at the start of the process. It's like buying a house. If people haven't explored the market and people don't know um, you know, what they're benchmarking against, it's very difficult to make confident decisions. Yeah, so if you choose that one candidate, yeah. the client's probably going to think you can, this is going to continue to happen, um, but they're probably not going to be confident enough to start really making decisions in the way that they should. And that's from our perspective why continue why exclusive and, and retained is so effective um because expectations are managed at the, at the start the work's done it's done thoroughly um and then you've got sort of timelines in place that you're moving through with a process by by the end of that process you should have you know assuming you haven't cut any corners you should have ticked all these boxes um we've we've filled 100 of retained searches um i'd say our split is probably it is shifting so it's probably 40 to 50 percent probably 40% contingency, 40% or 30, 30-40% exclusive and 20% and, and retained, yeah. becoming more exclusive and more retained. Yeah. And that's just purely because we're getting more repeat business with clients we're working with this yeah. way. So our, our best clients um, are, are the clients that we work with exclusive and retained. There are outliers to that. We have some great relationships with people who work with contingency. Um, but as a general rule, the clients that get the most benefit from us, that value us the most as recruitment partners, work with exclusive and retain because it's, it's 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 just the most effective way of recruiting um I, I i mean what are your thoughts from um working continued versus retain so a big part part of it is like a sell isn't it so you're yeah i think some business i think that you're trying to sell for your benefit um and and unfortunately it's like you were saying before about you know night night 8 30 to 5 30 it's the way you've always worked. It's the way yeah. hiring has always worked. It's the way HR have always worked. And some yeah. just aren't, aren't open to it. But what, what are your thoughts in terms of the quality of service that you deliver and how effective what you do is working retained versus contingency? I, I, I think that you can, yeah, without a doubt, you're correct. I mean, if you're working retained, you know, the, it, it's all about it's all about service, over-servicing the client. You know, you're, you're regularly in touch and, you know, you're, you're ensuring that um, you know that, that that you completely understand their requirements. Uh, you're going, you know, no stone unturned. You're going into the marketplace. You're doing a thorough search, and you're coming up with you know four, a, a short list of four or five people. Um, in in a number of roles we're recruiting for, sometimes there are only two or three people that can do the role, and um, it's we, we seem to be in quite a fortunate position that um, within our sector with although it's the construction sector we're working on infrastructure utilities which is really unsexy it's not like the, the you know the nice the shard and all the sexy buildings in london that type yeah. thing not that so um we you know we, we we very rarely seem to get in a in a situation whereby um you know we're almost not really competing um it, it, it well it certainly seems that way and um we we we, we tend to you know work perhaps a bit more, perhaps not quite sophisticated as you, but we look to get each candidate three job interviews. So I think that's the ultimate number. Once you get a chance, if you're working contingency, decreases of getting placement. Three is the ultimate number. Um, so researchers have stated so. Um, but, but, but having said that, no, I agree with you. You know, if you can get, if you can get retained work, that's great. 
Um, we seem to seem to do quite a lot of placements. Um, I, if you're doing, as we would say to our clients, if you retain us, we will spend 100% of our time working for you. So if, it, if, if it's a time issue, if it's a difficult location, if it's, you know, if it's a hard to, to fill role, that's when, you know, re re retained is used. Um, sometimes um, I wouldn't take on a retained one. If I don't think I can fill it, I wouldn't want to take it on anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it has to be, you know, one of those has to be hard to fill. It has to be, you know, a difficult location and, and what have you. Um, but yes, I mean, you, we, we do we do work in like yourself, like, like as you said, it tends to be, you know, the more senior one. I'm, I recently did an MD for a highways main contractor, um, and I've done a couple of, of senior operations people as well recently, and that's worked very effectively doing it retained. Also, it means that I think the candidates have more respect for you when you're saying you're retained. You don't look like a chancer. So I think that the whole kind of the whole process is much more professional. And I think everybody feels much, much happier and everyone knows what the, you know, what the parameters are. Um, but I still think there's a place for uh, the contingency and quick wins and, you know, and then like yourself, it tends to be for the kind of the 40 to 80 that we do, you know, we would always do contingency, but that, that works well as well. So I'm not, I don't, I don't think you have to say we're contingency or we're, or we're retained. I don't think you have to say we're one we're a 180 agency or a 360 agency. I think you can play them all. I think you can have account managers, you can have 180s, you can have business development, you can have people doing the whole lot. I think you can mix it up. That's what I believe. So I'm not so kind of rigid. And I think I can see the benefits of each. I'm not, you know, I, I kind of understand the benefits. And I think all of them have got their benefits. Yeah, so you see, that's that's completely it. So uh, from our side, we've worked we've worked through enough exclusive and, and retained searches now just to understand that the the, the process delivers. Um, yeah. We work very very differently. We're very upfront about the amount of time and energy and the ways of working that goes into a contingency search and a retained. Um, but particularly if we're doing sort of multiple retained, we, we spend more time retained than exclusive. If we've got sort of multiple retainers on, we always hit a period of um, I guess. We, we don't suffer from it as much anymore, but it's doubt and worry before we're shortlisting because you're doing so much search. Yeah. Before you compile that shortlist, you're worried whether or not you're actually going to be able to deliver the right yeah. candidates. And it always comes together. It, you know, it takes yeah. for, for us about three weeks, but it always, always comes together. But we do love to get back to a bit of contingency afterwards. Yeah. Less accountability, yeah. less faster paced. Um, it is definitely nice to have that, that mix and you can see things happening quickly um, yeah. as opposed to yeah quite a, quite well a structured but drawn out process with with quite a lot of um your fees very different from retained not, not not really no so this is why it's so logical from from my perspective when there are certain roles we won't work exclusive we won't work retained because it's just not the right thing to do or the conditions mm. aren't right uh, mm. and this is something for us as well we used to think is it's always about trying to you know exclusive is always better than contingency and retained is always better than exclusive is, is not, from our perspective it's just yeah. um we don't want to invest time where we don't need to and, and, and vice versa but yeah it's, it's it's not really there's not really any difference um the difference is the, the process that we work to so um we'll work with clients on contingency and then move to exclusive for retain we won't change the fees absolutely the structure will change so yeah. for retained it's, it's typically um 25 as an engagement fee 25 as a shortlist fee and then we do to 50 on completion uh, which which seems fair uh, which you know yeah. we've never had any complaints working that way but the actual percentage level 
it, you know, it could change, but we, we, we don't. And it's normally because it is a, an evolution from where we started. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, but are you competing when you're bidding to do the, to do the work, to do the retained work? Sometimes, yeah, but a lot of the time it, it is relationships that have developed. From yeah, that. yeah. So sometimes we'll, it's, I'd say probably one in four roles we're picking up new business and going straight mm. to date or exclusively. Mm. As we say, working exclusively it's, it's generally an evolution of, you know, work on contingency, understand they've got a problem, show yeah. them a better way of working exclusively. And, and normally we, we quite like exclusivity because yeah. we're very, very confident that we can deliver and it, t- it takes the pressure off the client as well, having to um, go through that process internally of signing off a, a retainer. It's like a nice middle ground. Yeah. Uh, but we're very confident we can deliver time and time again. We, we just won't work below a certain fee level as well retained. So we would never work. Yeah, I, I won't quote figures, but yeah, the energy that goes into it needs to be replicated by the actual fee. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I mean, because you're owned by the client when you're doing retained. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's, it's just the time. of yeah. time and energy yeah. that's going into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, we, we've got to a point now with our process that we're, we're very comfortable. We're very confident in who's doing what in that process. So as I said, my and Sam's roles are quite different. So we'll both be on the, the initial call. Um, yeah. Sam will manage the search, I manage delivery, and sort of everything beyond that point. Yeah. Um, so it's just mm. going through the motions. Mm. It's just going through the motions, but there's a lot more time that goes into it, as I say. So um, that's just something we we need to factor in. Yeah, when we're taking on the same work. Yeah. Um, do you do much uh, on the interim side? You don't really. No, I don't. I don't think our market's very big for it. So I mean, yeah. we have done in the past. We've got we've got like a good network of interim um you know fairly senior people that maybe got to a point in their career where they want flexibility or and i think our i35 has shrunk the size of people that are keen to work on interim but our market doesn't have a huge demand for it to be honest rupert is getting paid for it it's the it's the the administrative side of getting paid working with factoring companies that that puts yeah i mean we've we've actually weaned that was the one big thing we did last year was we weaned ourselves off factoring I mean, it's like coming off methadone, you know, you, you, it, it's necessary evil, you know, but you want to get, you want to get rid of it. But I mean, there's a big, in our, in our market, there's a, there is a big requirement. I mean, I think there's, I look at interims, there's three types of interims we deal with. There's other, the bench warming interim when someone's suddenly left an MD or a commercial director's left, they need someone to, to bench warm while they look for the permanent person. Yeah. You've got the, um, you've got the uh, firefighting one you know, where a, a division or a, a project's gone tits up and they need someone in to rescue it. Then you've got the kind of transformational piece where they don't want to pay 300 grand for someone to come in to open up a new area or look into a new area. They'll pay someone, you know, on a day rate. And, um, but that's really good for kind of turnover and keeping keeping business going. Um, so we, yeah, we, we, we always have about, I, I call it my stable of interims. I have about a stable of about 15. They're never all working at the same time, but we try and be between like kind of five and 10 interims running. That's pretty good. So, um, is that a desk then that you have? Do you have yeah, that, sorry. Is it, so do you have a dedicated interim desk? Do you have no, it's what it's, it's basically pretty much what I do because one of the questions I always ask if I'm speaking to a CEO and MD, I'll say, "What's keeping you up at night? You know, what what's your biggest headache?" And I know that they'll either say it always falls into your hand. They'll either say recruitment, finding good people, or they'll say it's a particular division or. Um, particular project if I say to them well how about I find someone to take that headache away you get your weekends back you can be in the present enjoy your weekends with your family blah 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 what would you say and then that way I can get one of my interims in there and these guys are highly professional people towards the, the latter part of their careers they've been to you know they've got a few you know a few scars so to speak and you know they're, they're typically we charge 20% margin on 800 pay a thousand 
charge out. So they make a thousand a week. Um, and that's an ongoing revenue, which, which keeps going, which obviously will add value to the company as well. But, um, but yeah, so the interims for us is, is a, a, a big side. You're right, the IR35 has had an effect, but um, it's um, providing they're not taking direction, they will be outside IR35. So most of these people are proper, you know, they are outside IR35. Yeah. But um, yes, it does have risk. And we've, I've had sleepless nights when one major contractor owed us like 160 grand. Um, it was pretty terrifying. You know, when they don't pay, you can, you can, we had too many with one company. And if they didn't pay at the end of one month, it got to two months. Suddenly, you know, our exposure was quite big. So yeah, it does have it. Yeah, it's risk yeah. reward is how I look at it. Um, but yeah, yeah, you've got to be careful. You've got to do credit checks and you've got to, you know, you've got to be careful with it. But it's, um, it's a, a, again, it, it, it's something which can give you a, a quite a nice cash injection each, each quarter. And you can see it's forecasted coming in. Um, that's we, it isn't it it's just nice yeah. to have repeatable forecastable revenue as yeah. a big attraction for you know people trying to build value in a recruitment business yeah. um it's just having that contract book i mean the ideal is if you if if your contracts if you're if you've got contractors that are covering your monthly overheads and mm. then your plan placements are, are basically profit from that i think that's the that's the that's kind of the ideal isn't it yeah absolutely no absolutely yeah no no that is good absolutely yeah um, and then just, um, I, I guess, in, in terms sort of, um, do, is automation playing a big part in your business at the moment? Or Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, automation is interesting. So we, I mean, we, um, we use MailChimp quite heavily. So we also use a bit of software called Zopto. You might know it. Heard of it. Um, I, I'm not overly familiar. Is it like so, a... I mean, I can tell you a very simple process we do. So with Zopto, it uses AI. So you can go onto your sales navigator on um, on uh, LinkedIn, and we will download we will download lists of maybe twelve hundred. If they're second connections, um, Zopto will use AI to guess to get the emails, and a pretty damn good. It's about eighty percent correct. So we get a list of twelve hundred. We then send it off to uh, this lady in Pakistan that works for literally about two pounds an hour. And we then get that put onto our MailChimp. And we, so we've got a huge list of MailChimp, which I, which my South African lady then um, sends blogs to every week. And we use that also for kind of general marketing and general useful, useful bits of information. But there's always the option for the client to um, unsubscribe at any point if they want to. And what's interesting is people phoning up and they say, blah, blah, blah. But actually, they never unsubscribe because they don't, they don't want to miss out on the information. So... We use that for that's a that's a, a starting point if we've got you know for advertising job roles mm -hmm. and you know also if we get a most placeable candidate an NPC very often we'll send it around on that as well um, using amazing. three points but not mentioning the name or the companies but using selling them with three you know three big three big benefits three big kind of you know sales points so that's we use automation doing that as well so it's an interesting thing again I think people that say is automation taking away any any of the personal, you know, kind of, I think it's how you use it. Do you know what I mean? I think you use it as well as, um, you know, having the, you know, the personal contact with people. I don't think it can be one or the other. And I don't think it needs to be, but I think it's invaluable using automation. Um, I think you can overuse it, but I think equally, um, if it's used correctly, it's, yeah, we use it a lot. How about you? So, yeah, so I, I guess for, from our perspective, automation, um, it is there to drive efficiency 
Um, and, and it is sort of changing the way that, um, that that we work and we are starting to, it's becoming more of a strategic priority for us. Yeah. For sure. But I think automation is becoming a bit easier to use as well because the you know the world has changed. So yeah. 10 years ago, from a communication perspective, you were just sending people WhatsApps or emails, probably be considered to be a bit lazy. Um, but I think actually, if you're picking up the phone and calling people these days, they probably prefer just to receive an email or a WhatsApp in their own time that they can open and respond to in their own time. So um, in, in automating a lot of the recruitment, the administrative side of the recruitment process, so interview confirmations, follow-ups, mm. mm. updates on, you know, the, the, where you're at in processes, yeah. these can all yeah. be triggered. So we're, yeah. we're starting to work with some software at the moment that integrates into Bullhorn. Um, we already do work with, with software and it, and it, it has revolutionised its um saved us so much time so much, so much time doing repetitive tasks but we're about to kind of take it up a step and, and work with something that's a lot more um comprehensive which will just trigger certain activities throughout the recruitment process so it'll be very very linked so instead of us having to put notes in a diary to remember to call or feedback or do x y and z all of this will just happen mm. organically naturally mm. um so from that perspective yeah i think it's you know it's, it could be a huge huge advantage but there, there are always going to be times when, and it's like chat box, you know, chat bots on, on, on websites, yep. you know, they can answer probably about 80, 90% of the, the questions that people have, they can answer, but there's always going to be that 10%, that 20% of people that need to speak to a person. You know, the, I think the problem with automation and, and, and AI is it just doesn't, you can't differentiate between humans and understand emotion. So yeah. I think it's just about understanding where and when you need to make yourself available. Mm. Um, because I think, yeah, recruitment, as a, you, you can completely um, automate what we do. I don't think because you, you do need humans at certain points of that process to sell yeah. influence and, and, and engage. So, yeah, I think um, used in the right way. It's just a balance, isn't it? And yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, yeah, I think I think with all these things, you know, it, it it's you know it, it's a balance and it's um, you know everything everything in moderation. Do you know what I mean? I mean it's like you know um, I'm sure you said with your children with like paying on you know uh, Xbox or, or you know PS5. You know, and I'm not against that, but I think doing it the whole time is not good for you. But I think some of it having interaction with friends, and I think with 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 using it for 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 work, you know, using uh, automation, I think that there are times when you know. You need you need to speak to somebody. You know, if your house is on fire, you're not going to text nine nine nine. Do you know what I mean? You'll get on the phone. And I think there's there are times when you need to speak, and I think there are other times when actually calling someone up. Um, I mean, I love my analogies. It's a bit like watching a sports game, and when the adverts come on, it's really annoying. That's what it's like. But sometimes when you're calling people up, it's just an irritant a message or an automated message that can actually mean that, as you said, people can do it in their own time. I think it's a lot to be said for that, but I think with everything, it's it, 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 it's using it correctly and actually understanding how it all works as well. I mean, I get, <clears throat> I've you got some young guys in the office that really understand it and they, they help me out with it. I mean, I, I, a lot of it goes over my head, but I can see the business benefits of it. But equally, I can also, I'm very old school with, um, you know, making yourself available to people. Um, we, we have the three A's, we say you've got to be able, affable and available as a recruitment consultant, you need to be those three things. And I don't think, you know, AI, I don't necessarily mean that you're going to be available. I know? think you can rely on it too much. Yeah, it can always take accountability away from you having to actually do 
your job to a degree but yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting because i know when we spoke last time you, you mentioned and you, you said at the start of this call that you've um that you've hired an, a, a resourcer um yeah. for for us it was always previously systemize optimize and delegate that that's yeah. the way that we implemented new process yeah. and basically just did everything but now it's systemize optimize automate if you can and then yeah. delegate because the cost savings and the ability to have a it, in theory technology doesn't make mistakes in terms of a process it's done when it should be done and, and x y and z so there are, there are a lot of opportunities um that we found to actually automate things that we just didn't even think about automating before um and we've been able to sort of really really um we're a very lean business now we're we're so much more productive than we than we ever were before um yeah. split our business so that we don't overlap in terms of our responsibilities and yeah. then just got automation sort of ticking in the background and as i say hopefully that's about to become um we've got to be doing a lot more of that um but yeah it's, it's just it's just not going over that threshold isn't it and yeah. thinking, um like a faceless business exactly exactly yeah no i agree totally agree with you on that yeah um brilliant okay well um yeah i think we're there time wise Rupert. Oh, yeah so um yeah it's been it's been really good speaking yeah no same yeah and uh yeah i'm sure we'll catch up at some point in the not too distant future